Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are here. Your presence is here. Thank you that we got to worship you, that we got to praise you, that we got to put you first and at the sense of tonight. And I pray that you will bless us and equip us and give us everything we need to own the week and put you first. Invite people to come to church so that heaven will be populated. And everyone said, amen. amen. Give some Bluetooth high fives because we're friendly and we don't, we, we, we don't touch because it's COVID. No touching, no touching. So good to see everyone. So good to see some familiar faces and some new faces. Come on. Who loves the 6 p.m. service? I love our 6 p.m. service. Can I ask that I have a countdown because I know that if I don't, we will be here for a while and I don't want that. And uh, but we're gonna jump straight into it, if that's okay. Who's been enjoying our Rhythms of Grace series? Okay, a few of us, that's cool. The rest of you, you can just go watch it again and may it bless you. But come on, we had, actually, before I go on, Baptism Sunday. I love Baptism Sunday. It's my favorite uh, kind of day on the calendar whenever we do it. And we got to, to baptize people in Tableview, Malkbos, and Camps Bay. Come on, Camps Bay, like Andre said. Baptize some people. And uh, I'm just saying, we baptize people in a two-meter deep pool. So thank God that I'm over two meters, because I literally stood like this on the pool, like on my toes. And they were, anyway, it was, it was an experience, and, but it was good, though. It was good. And then right before we asked people to go to the pool, two of our dream teamers had to run because apparently in Camps Bay, the ducks there are on steroids. I've never seen such big duck poo in my life. And it legit covers the edge of the pool. It's, it's the craziest thing. And nowhere else, just on the edge of the pool. So in case you guys wanted to know that fun fact, the duck poo in Camps Bay is huge. Cool. So we've... I don't know about you, I've been loving this series, uh, The Rhythms of Grace. Uh, the reason I've loved it is because when I was reflecting and when I heard that we were gonna be going into the Rhythms of Grace on the back end of the year, I knew that if I heard this six years ago, I would have dealt with my November, December a lot differently. When I was younger, I didn't really manage myself properly. And I really wanna share a story with you tonight on how I didn't manage myself about six years ago. And uh, I was a young man and I was in the second year of our leadership college. First year of our leadership college. And um, I had just joined staff. I was our, our um, founding pastor's PA back then, which was cool. And I don't know how I got the role of a PA because my admin is horrendous, but uh, I learned a lot and it was a good environment to be in. And uh, you know, I, over the year kind of got more responsibilities and it was really cool and I was just the best time ever. But what I didn't do is I didn't manage myself properly. And uh, we did the book of Acts and the doctrine of church in the final term of first year. And that's really cool. The book of Acts is a great course. Okay, it's a great course. The doctrine of church, I'm gonna get there, but I'm gonna let you know that I didn't finish it. Okay, so just here's the story. So I get into the back end of the year. I'm tired, okay, like I'm exhausted. I didn't manage myself properly. The road rage was real. I probably lost a few friendships and had to rebuild it again because I was just tired. And again, I wish I knew about the rhythms of grace. And it got to like mid-December when the assignment was due, our second assignment for both of these courses. And I got up from the couch because I procrastinated for about four hours not doing my assignment because I had no energy to do my assignment. And I got to my desk and I opened up the doctrine of the church. And I read two pages and then I closed the doctrine of church and I put it to the side. And then I said, let me attempt 
the book of Acts. So I opened the book of Acts and, I, and, and the reader for our second assignment and I read the first two pages and I closed it and I sat there for about 30 minutes and I said, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I wanna do this. There was no inspiration. I would have probably given a 30% essay if I tried. Do you know what I said? I said, you know what, it's fine. I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna fail the course. So that's exactly what I did. I put my books away. I didn't hand in my assignments, but I didn't tell anyone. It was my secret, it's between me and God. And I said, God, I will pay with my own money to do this course again when I have more energy. Why? Because I was exhausted. I was tired. But the problem was, and this is just add on, okay, I'm gonna add on to the story because it actually ends quite funny. I didn't tell anyone. And I remember getting a phone call from the head of college, Graham, you guys know Graham? And he said, Matt, I need to speak to you in my office. That's never a good phone call to get. And you know it's not good when you open his door and he says, come in, but before you come in or after you come in, close the door behind you, then you know you're in trouble because what's gonna be said can't leave the room. I was planning on telling him that I needed to do those courses again, but I didn't get around to it. And let's just say it was a life-giving conversation from Graham. <laughs> I was challenged. I got in a lot of trouble. So I signed up to do it again, and I thought, you know what? I've already done the first assignment. It was an essay. I've done it, and I got 60% for it. So I was like, oh, it's going to be wise here and just resubmit it. So I resubmitted it, thinking, cool. Got my mark back, 35%. <laughs> Problem is, Graham found out my mark before I did, somehow. And I got another phone call. And let's just say the conversation wasn't life-giving. But, as you guys know, I did ace the next two assignments, and I got 70% for the Book of Acts. And I somehow didn't do the Doctrine of Church for some reason. I think I managed to get credits elsewhere somehow. So don't ask me questions on, on the Doctrine of Church. Someone else who's... But you guys understand what I'm saying. I wish I knew about the rhythms of grace and how to protect my November, December, because I would never have got myself into that situation. We have an opportunity to protect ourselves in this season of life. Because let's be honest, it's been a tough year. In fact, it's been a tough two years. We faced a lot of things. We've hit some hurdles. We've hit some wars. As, as individuals, as families, as a church, as a nation, it's been a hard couple of years. And I know for a fact that the devil will do whatever he can do to take you away from the purpose that God has for you, especially in November, December. Especially in November, December. But by a show of hands quickly, who likes compliments? Who likes compliments? So I've come to the conclusion that everyone likes compliments, but there's two types of people who love compliments. The people who love compliments, there's one type who go, wow, thank you so much, I appreciate that, and they show you that they appreciate the fact that you gave them a compliment. Then there's the other side of person who will go very awkward and very shy, but inside, they're smiling from like ear to ear. So we all like compliments, right? I think we all like compliments. For those of you who didn't put your hand up, you are definitely the second side of the person. Just throwing it out there. But there was a man in the Old Testament named David. I reckon David had the best compliment given to him. The best compliment. 
It was written and recorded in the Bible. And the compliment given to David was that David had a heart after God's heart. His heart was after God's heart. Now some stats about David quickly. He was written about a lot in the Old Testament. Abraham, there were 14 chapters written on Abraham. It's a lot of chapters. Joseph had 11 chapters written about his life. It's a lot of chapters. David had a total of 66 chapters written about his life. It's a lot of chapters. In the New Testament, David's name was mentioned 59 times across the New Testament, more than anyone else. In fact, the only person who was written more about than David was Jesus. That tells us that clearly we need to learn some lessons about David, the shepherd who had a heart after God's own heart. I believe that we have some lessons to learn from David as we are in the Rhythms of Grace series to learn on how to act and live our life, especially on the back end of a long two years. In fact, these lessons are not only for the end of the year. These lessons are for everyday life that we have as Christians. So I want to encourage you. David had a heart after God's own heart. We've got some lessons to learn from him. Now quickly, David was a brother of, of, of a total of eight brothers, and he was the youngest. David wasn't necessarily the most athletic. He wasn't the most qualified. He wasn't the best looking. He, he, he probably was the smallest out of all the brothers, and he was the youngest, so he was actually looked down upon. David was looked down upon by his father and brothers. So what that meant was, was he was sent into the fields to be a shepherd boy. He was a shepherd. He was, he was told to look after the family sheep. He was told to look after them and protect them and, and make sure that they were grazing properly and grazing at the right fields. And that's pretty much the only purpose that his brothers and his father had given him was you are called to be a shepherd boy. That's the only thing you're going to do. It's the only thing you're going to amount to as a shepherd boy. But the thing about David was that even though people were saying to him that you're only a shepherd, he did it with the right heart. David had the right heart as a shepherd. He didn't go in there grumpy, sad, frustrated, angry, going, why are these people sending me here? Why am I only going to amount to be a shepherd's boy? No, 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 that was never his response. His response, his response was, Father, my heart is willing. If this is what you've called me to do, I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna do it with excellence. And I'm gonna do it praising you. And I'm gonna do it worshiping you. And I'm gonna do it to make sure that I'm serving you the best I can. David had the right heart. I'm asking you tonight, if you had to look deep inside your heart, where's your heart at the moment? Where's your heart at the moment? Because you and I are no different to David. We read further on that David was anointed to be king. And then he became the, the, the boy, the shepherd who defeated Goliath. Then he went back to being a shepherd's boy. And then he went to be Saul's harpist. 
and then he became king. But it started as the shepherd's boy with the right heart. So I'm asking you again tonight, where is your heart? We are no different to David. We are God's creation. The same God who created David is the same God who created me. The same God who created David is the same God who created you. I wanna encourage you. God also wants us to be his people who have a heart after his. It's not just for David. Remember, David was never qualified in the eyes of man, but his heart was placed in the right place for God to use him. We are called to be people who have a heart after God's own heart. That was never just for David. Although David was the only recorded person in the Bible who had that amazing compliment, that is for us too. God also wants us to be his children who have a heart after his, but we are no different to David. So what is stopping us from having that compliment given to us? We're the same. The first thing that we're the same as is we both have a calling. David has a calling. You have a calling. David had a purpose. You have a purpose. A purpose given by God that no man can take away. If God created you, no man can destroy you. If God created you for such a purpose, no man can take that purpose away from you. The only way you will reach that purpose is if your heart is in the right place, is if your heart says, Father, I'm willing for you to use me. That's the heart that David had. I love the scripture in Psalm 139, verses 13 to 18. And David is speaking here and and how he understood of how God thought of him, how God created him. And the same way and the same words that he used for himself are the same words that you can speak over your life. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. David had a calling. David had a purpose. We have a calling and a purpose too. But again, the only thing stopping us from walking in the calling and the purpose from God is the position of our heart. So again, I ask you tonight, how's your heart? Where's your heart? Number two, we both have seasons. David encountered many seasons. First, he was the shepherd's boy. A shepherd, he was called to do that. Then for a season, he was on the field and he was fighting a, a giant. That was a season in his life. Then he went back to being a shepherd. Then he went to being the king's personal harpist. Then for a season, he was running for his life. And then for a season, he was the king. But in every single season, we see that David's heart was willing to be used by God. In every single season that David endured and David encountered, he was still known as the man who had a heart after God's own heart. 
we have different seasons. We all know we have different seasons. I don't know what season you might be in now. You might be in school, you might be in university, you might be single, you might be dating, you might be a newly married couple, you might have been married for many, many years, you might be a business owner, you might be a teacher, you might be a barista. I don't know what season you're in, but we are called to have hearts that are willing in every single season. Even when they're high seasons, even when they're low seasons, the same way that David in every season had a heart after God's own heart, I wanna encourage you, we are called to have a heart after God's own heart in every season. So we all had seasons. Number three, we both faced persecution and trials. David had a lot of that. David had some negativity spoken about him. People doubted David. People wanted to kill David. He saw, I have no doubt, his life flash in front of him. But in all his persecution and in all his trials, we see that David's heart was willing. And even though he faced those things, his heart was still a heart of the God's own heart. I don't know what you're facing now. I don't. But God does. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what trial you're going through. I don't know what persecution you're going through. I don't know what someone has spoken over you, that someone has trashed your purpose or said that you've got no future in life. I wanna let you know that is not the truth. The truth is that God has got a purpose for you, that God has got a destiny for you. That is the truth. Don't let that persecution, don't let those trials stop you and distract you from focusing your heart on God and having a heart after God's own heart. Psalm 23 verse four, David says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close behind me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. David knew that he was gonna face trials and persecution. David lived it, but his heart was always going, Father, I'm living for you. Why? because I know that you are with me and I know that you are for me and I know that you are not against me. We are created for a purpose. We are created on purpose for a significant purpose. You are no mistake. You are not here by fluke. You are here on this world because God wants to use you. But the only thing stopping you is the position of your heart. So clearly the heart is an important aspect in our life. Can we all agree? You guys are very quiet tonight. I don't know if I'm just being boring or we're gonna move, it's all good. But clearly the heart's an important thing which we need to protect. And I wanna read three scriptures tonight. Proverbs 4 verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard and protect your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now why should we guard our hearts? It says in Jeremiah 17 verse nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Matthew 15 verse 19 says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. There's two aspects to the heart. There's either a heart, like we said earlier, that is fixed on God, that is living for God, that is living on a purpose from God, 
Or the other side of the heart is a self heart. It's a me heart. It's a fleshly heart. That's why we need to protect our heart, especially in a season where things get a bit crazy. Especially in a season when things get a bit crazy. We've got that, is that table there, Amber? It's gonna come up. It should come up. Ooh, not the best quality. I did screenshot that from my laptop. I know CJ's dying inside right now. When David lived with a heart after God's own heart, he was a man who feared God instead of the fear of man. He was a worshiper instead of a warrior. He was thirsty for God's presence instead of being thirsty for man's applause. He was peaceful, not paranoid. He was full of love and not raging with jealousy. He was a servant leader instead of self-preserving. Now, I don't know which side you're on, but again, I wanna ask you, how's your heart? How's your heart? Because we wanna be people. We wanna be a church that is known for being a church and a people who has a heart after God's own heart. So maybe as you got into November, December, you started realizing that you, you're fearing man a bit more or you, you started to worry about some things you never worried about or all of a sudden you, you started almost searching for and fishing for those compliments, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. You become a bit more paranoid or, or maybe you're becoming super jealous of, of someone else's progress in your workplace or a sibling or a family member and all of a sudden this jealousy is just, is just raging inside of you or, or maybe you've seen over the past few months that you've stopped serving others and you've started to serve yourself. These are all indicators that our heart has shifted to a self heart and not a selfless heart. Where is your heart? How is your heart? David fell into that trap. You see, the purpose of the king was that he was always meant to go into battle with his army. That was his role, that was his responsibility. He was meant to lead, he was meant to lead from the front. He was meant to set the example, he was meant to set the pace. He was meant to be the one doing what everyone else should have been doing or what he wanted his soldiers to be doing. In every battle, his calling, responsibility, and purpose was to be on the front line with his army. But there's one time that David decided that he wasn't gonna do that. There was one time where he said, you know what? I'm actually feeling a bit tired. I'm actually feeling a bit discouraged at the moment. I'm feeling a bit frustrated. I'm feeling a bit annoyed about some things. I, I don't know if I should do what I've been called to do, so I think I'm gonna pull back and stay at home. And that's exactly what he did as king. Instead of walking in the purpose and serving in the purpose and living in the purpose that God had for him, he decided to separate himself and stay at home. You see, in that moment, David became comfortable when he shouldn't have been comfortable. And the devil used that to pull David away from what God had asked him to do. You see, on the back end of David removing himself from his purpose, the devil started tempting him. 
the devil started allowing him to think about some things he shouldn't have thought about, to see some things he would never have seen if he was on the front line of the battlefield. And because of that, and we can't go into it because we only have six minutes left, the fruit of David separating himself from his purpose meant that he ended up committing adultery and murder. Those are some pretty significant things. If David was on the front line with his army, with his heart fixed on doing what God had called him to do, he would never have seen what he should never have seen and he would never have done what he should never have done. He separated himself from his purpose. The devil will do everything in his power to distract you, to discourage you, to put some things in your day that are gonna annoy you and irritate you. And he might put some conversations in your life that are gonna drain you and make you really, 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 really tired. But he will do everything in his power to take your heart off God and on the flesh. He will do everything in his power to take you away from your purpose and to start to live for yourself. That's exactly what happened to David. And look at what happened to him. I wanna encourage you. There's some things that we can surround ourselves with. It could be social media. It could be the wrong relationships. It could be an unhealthy bedtime. I'm speaking from experience. Will you actually exhaust yourself? It might be the financial pressures going into December. It might be knowing that you might see some family members who you might not get along with. And that's discouraging you and making you anxious. The devil will use that to pull you away from your purpose. Where you will do an incredible work that God wants you to do. What is in your life now that is pulling you away from your purpose. And again, I ask, how's your heart? How's your heart? If I can have the keys up, please. But even though David messed up, even though David made some mistakes, he was still known as a man who had the heart of the God's own heart. He's still a person that God wanted to use and as an example to encourage us and show us what he wants for our life. And there's four lessons that we can learn from David. The first one is that David was faithful in the field. In other words, David was faithful with his relationship with God. I wanna ask you tonight, how is your relationship with God? How's your quiet times? How's your time in prayer? How's your worship going? How's your encouragement going? See, David knew that the most important thing that he could have is a healthy relationship with God. A strong relationship with God. A life-giving relationship with God. David was faithful in the field. When he would go, he would work on his relationship with God. When he was, was, was being a shepherd to the sheep, he was working on his relationship with God. When he was on the battlefield about to face Goliath, his relationship with God was strong. He had faith that his father was gonna deliver him. He was faithful in the field. He was faithful with his relationship with God. I wanna encourage you, if we wanna be people who have a heart after God's own heart, it means we need to spend some time in his presence. 
We need to spend quality time, not once a week, not on a Sunday, every day, where we can hear what's on his heart, where we can see what's on his heart, so that we can live a life that glorifies him. He was faithful in the field. He was faithful with his relationship. Again, Psalm 23 verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Number two, he was faithful in the familiar. He was obedient. You know what I love about David? Is he was faithful with the sheep. Just like he was faithful with Goliath in front of him. Just like he was faithful to go and play for King Saul. Just like he was faithful to, to carry the mantle of being king that the Lord had bestowed upon him. He was faithful in the big things and he was faithful in the little things. He didn't pick or choose. He understood that if God had put that in front of him, he was gonna be faithful and obedient to do what God had called him to do. What giants are you facing that's causing you to stop being obedient to what God has asked you to be obedient to? As Christians, we are called to be obedient. As people of God, we are called to be obedient in the big things, in the small things, in the things that people can see and in the things that people can't see. David lived that. He was faithful in the familiar. He was an obedient servant of God. Number three, David was faithful in the future and he was faithful in the now. David was anointed to be king. He came from being a shepherd boy and then anointed and he was told, you're gonna be king one day. And I don't know about you, but if I was told I was gonna be king one day, I might find it really easy to stop doing what I'm doing because I was told that there's gonna be a greater future, that there was gonna be a brighter future. But David didn't let the future stop him from being faithful today. You know what he did? As soon as he was anointed to be the next king, he went back to the field. He didn't go to the palace. He went back to the field and he looked after his sheep because he knew that he needed to be faithful to God today because tomorrow is gonna bring its own opportunities. I wanna encourage you. I don't know what season you're going in, but I do believe if it's a low season that God has got something greater and bigger for you. Don't miss out on today because of a future that you're worrying about. God's got you. He's got you. He's gonna look after you. That word and that promise is still there. It's not gonna be taken away. But don't let the future let you miss out on today. How we steward the season will determine how we enter into the next. Are we being stewards of the season? Are you being stewards of today? Are you looking for the opportunities? Are you looking for the seeds that God has given you to plant today? David showed us that that's what it's about. He was promised to be king. A significant promise, but the future never stopped him from having a heart after God's own heart in the field as being a shepherd. Number four, he was faithful in repentance. 
David knew that he wasn't perfect. He knew that he was gonna fall short. He knew that he had fallen short. He understood that the best thing he could do is to keep short accounts with God. To not go days without repentance. To not go days with separating ourselves from God. To not go days from, from almost tearing our hearts away from God because we haven't kept a short account with Him, because we aren't perfect. There's a fun fact for us tonight. We are not Jesus. We make mistakes. We mess up. David messed up. But the best thing we can do is to keep short accounts with God. It says in Psalm 51 verse 1 to 2, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Church, I wanna ask you, are you keeping short accounts with God? Because the longer you leave it, the more toxic our heart becomes. The more self-focused our heart becomes. But if we can get in the habit of keeping short accounts with Him the same way David taught us, because David wasn't perfect, we can be people who have a, God, a heart of the God's own heart. I pray that over our church, that the community, when they speak about View Church, in Tableview, in Malpos, and in Camps Bay, that the compliment they give us is, wow, that's a church that has a heart of the God's own heart. That they know that it's a place of love, it's a place of forgiveness. It's a place that honors God. It's never about a man. It's not about the platform. It's not about the talents. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the qualifications. It's about having a willing heart. It's about having a heart that's available. It's about having a heart that's going, God, I want you to use me. From the minute I wake up to the moment I fall asleep, I want you to use me. Use me at school, use me at work, use me at my home, use me in our community, use me in my nation. God wants to give you the compliment. God wants you to be known as people who have a heart of the God's own heart. But I wanna encourage you, keep short accounts with Him. Be faithful in repenting. Understand that you can't leave it for too long. Because sin separates us from God. It separates our heart from Him. But when we repent and we ask for forgiveness, He takes His rightful place on our heart at the center, the throne of our heart. Can I ask that we close our eyes? It says in Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Can we take this moment to answer the question, how is my heart? I wanna encourage you to ask God to search your heart. There might be some things, some habits, some, some small things that you do which, which take you away from your purpose or distract you or, or, or take your heart away from Him. Maybe God's gonna reveal those things tonight. Maybe there's unforgiveness that you haven't dealt with. 
Maybe there are, 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 are lies that have been spoken over your life that you are living in and believing every single day. You're waking up and you're going, I believe the lies that have been spoken about me. And these lies are stopping you from having your heart fixed on God because you don't feel worthy. I don't know if that's you tonight, but ask God to search your heart. Because the same God who was faithful to deliver David from the lion, from the bear, from Goliath, from Saul, from his enemies, from his trials, from his temptations, is the same God who wants to do a work in your life tonight. Our God is forever. He is no different to how he was when David was walking on the earth. God is faithful to do a miracle in your heart. God is faithful to heal you of those areas. I believe it and I declare it over you. How's your heart? And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you've actually never asked God for forgiveness. You've never asked Jesus into your life. You've never taken the moment to go, Father, I wanna stop living a life where it's, self, it's selfish, it's about me. And I wanna start living a life where I have a heart after your own heart. Maybe you know that you can't go on living in the lie. You can't go on living in the deception. You know that you have got something bigger than what you're living for and you're missing out on it. I wanna let you know that you will find that when you live a life for Jesus. Because you live a life for a purpose that is greater than yourself. Living a life for yourself is unsustainable. But when we live a life that is Jesus at the center, I promise you, you're gonna feel refreshed. You're gonna feel fulfilled. Your heart is gonna be happy. Your heart is gonna be filled, even in the lows and even in the highs. When you face temptations, when you face trials, you know that you're living a life that is glorifying God. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've never lived a life with Jesus at the center. And you know that you can't live a life other than that anymore. On the count of three, I wanna encourage you to put your hand up. Everyone's eyes are closed. No one is looking. This moment is between you and it's between Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the sovereign God who gave His life as a sacrifice so that when you accept Him, you will not perish, but you will spend eternity with Him in heaven. He is faithful to forgive you of your sins. He is faithful to wash you clean. He is faithful to allow your heart to fix on Him for the first time tonight. Or maybe you fixed your heart on Him many years ago and you've fallen away. Jesus is saying, come home, come back to me. Fix your heart in me again. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up. Again, no one is looking. One, Jesus gave it all. Two, for you and for me. Three, I'm gonna put your hand up. Is there anyone tonight who knows that you wanna make the greatest decision to live a life for Jesus, to stop living a life for yourself? Is there anyone Thank you, Jesus. Church, can we pray together? Jesus, thank you for what you did for me on the cross. I know that I've messed up. I know that I'm a sinner. But tonight, I wanna declare that you are my Lord and Savior. I wanna start living a life for you. I pray that you will keep me, that you will guide me, that you will show me your ways, and that you will help me 
have a heart after your own heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's honor Matt. Thanks so much. Just if we can quickly take a moment, I just think what Matt spoke about is so um, significant. And listen, when I came to this church, um, I never understood that that wherever uh, that that life came from my heart, and I needed to guard it, and I needed to give my heart to God, and I actually had given my heart in a relationship. And, and I never knew why that person almost, I became obsessed with that person and I thought about that person and in a way that person made me happy or sad. And I, I actually realized and got taught that, that the safest place to give your heart is in marriage. But God always has your heart, but the only other time you give somebody your heart is in marriage. As soon as you give your heart prematurely outside of marriage, you're putting yourself in a very dangerous place because you're asking somebody who is not God to be God to you. And it's only in marriage that your spouse can be trusted with your heart. And here's the thing, that's why if you marry somebody who's not a Christian, they are always gonna be fighting for your heart. But if you marry somebody who's a Christian, they're always gonna be encouraging you to give, for you to give God your heart. And you're always gonna be in a healthy place. Um, you must remember, it says, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. If you ever struggle with money, God's not got you, hasn't got your heart. That's why tithing's so big. It breaks the, the spirit of mammon. That's why it says you either serve God or money. And you can try to justify why you don't have to stu do stuff, but this is a heart issue. And, and we know when you ha haven't got freedom in your heart, you're not free and you're not experiencing the life, and you can't be life-giving to your spouse because your heart's tied up. The other thing is, if you've opened your life up to sex, outside of marriage, even in marriage, porn, there's the soul tie, it's an inward thing. And again, your heart's blurred. Whenever your heart's not in God's hands, there's a mist. If you have bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, your, heart, you, you're also, your heart's got like a bit of poison in it, and you have to keep it clean. That's why Matt said David was faithful in repentance, and that's how he brought, got healing. Listen, you know if your heart's not in God's hands. You even feel it. You're very emotional. You're up and down. You're almost controlled by other people. They, it's like they've got your heart. Here's your heart, and they got it. Today, they greet you. They like stroke your heart. Hey, how's it going? You're like, I feel so awesome. Tomorrow, they're like, I'm not gonna greet you. I've got the worst day of my life. I feel depressed. Who's got your heart? Can you close your eyes quickly? Maybe you've opened your life up to sexual sin and you just need to say, come to God right now and say, God, I've opened up my life in an unhealthy way. Because the thing is, when you get sexual with people outside of marriage, you can't help but give them your heart. It's a soul time and you need to take that back. And I, when I got saved, I had to wake up every day and say, God, I give you my heart. You are more than enough for me. The next time I give my heart, I'm giving my heart to you for the rest of my life, but the next time I give my heart is in marriage. And I had to tell myself that all the time. I had to protect myself. And when I met Leanne, we said, I, I said to her, I only want your heart when we say I do. If we do it before that, we're gonna get into an healthy place. Maybe you need to come back to God.
Maybe you've got bitterness. Maybe money's got your heart. And you need to just say to God right now, God, money's got my heart. I'm struggling. I want to give you my heart. When you come to God right now and let Him do some heart surgery, He can take a stony heart and make it a heart of flesh. So whatever area, bitterness, unforgiveness, sexual sin, love of money, whatever your struggle is, if you have a struggle with every eye closed in the building, come on, just out of respect, because this isn't every eye closed in the building, just my eyes open. Even keyboards, eyes closed. If that's you, just pop your hand up, say, Andre, I need to give God my heart. Awesome, you can pop it. Just, that's just, put it down again. This is just for you and God. God just sees this action. You're almost getting, I'm, I need to actually do something about this. God, I just lift up everyone who's, who's crying out to you for help right now. They want you to have their heart. 100%. Will you do a miracle in their life? Will you help them to guard their heart, to always be putting it in your hands, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Will you break the hold that money, sin, unforgiveness, bitterness has in their heart? Will you break that right now in Jesus' name? Will you bring healing into their heart in Jesus' name? Right now in Jesus' name, will you bring healing into their heart right now? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This year, I want to encourage you, if you need to talk to somebody, find somebody who you trust, who's safe. It says, confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. Talk to somebody. You might need to pray as a couple. Again, if you haven't done freedom, when we do freedom, the next time I encourage you to do freedom. This is, freedom's gonna help you breakthrough in these areas. You might just even need counseling. You understand? Leanne and I needed to bless each other. The only way we could bless each other in our marriage is with a healthy heart. So, so even though you, you want to bless the person you're with one day, you, you need to get some heart surgery and you'll become a great blessing to your spouse. But if you don't deal with this, Satan can have a field day with your heart and in that relationship. Don't get him get a foothold. Break his authority, break his power by coming under Jesus' authority. Okay. <laughs> so listen, you know, we're gonna end the service now. And for new people, I encourage you to use your voucher. We'd love to get connected with you. As you walk out the door, you'll see like a sign that says growth track, dream team, view group. If you wanna take a, a growth track step, a view group step, go right there. And, and remember, we got our growth track on Tuesday, first Tuesday of every month. So why don't you take that growth track step? Remember, you also need to book your seats for our Christmas experience online. Invite your world. It's gonna be at the 5th at Malpo's on the 12th at 
table view in this, and then the 19th at Camps Bay, but invite you all. Only reason your friends won't come to the Christmas experience is because you don't invite them. I promise you, people are way more open than you think. All they need is an invite, and they'll come, tell them you booked their seat, that we got a voucher, a coffee voucher for them, and I promise you, they're gonna come, they're gonna be blessed. Have an awesome week. God bless you guys. Let's thank Matt again. It's honor Matt. Thanks so much.